I... <laughs> what you doing, Ar? What you doing? Hey, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Tawalets. How's everybody doing? I hope you're all fine. Washing your hands, wearing masks. Di kagaya ng mga tao that, oh, I still see them in the grocery. The people that wear masks, pero hindi nakatakip yung nose. So, parang, but ka pa nag-mask, di ba? Please wear your masks properly. Wow. Do I have any news for you? Not really. <laughs> ano ba naman yan? Nandito lang kami sa bahay. Same, same. I did get to see some friends recently. And that was nice. Some face-to-face contact. Pero syempre, even handshakes or hugs. I'm not a hugger, so it's fine. I will admit though that when things go back to normal, I think I'm going to maintain... Not doing the beso. I never really liked it. It was just something that everyone did. So, nakikisali lang ako. Okay, beso, beso. Pero there were times when you just meet a guy, like you just met, and then you have to put your cheek on his cheek because you just, I don't know. I'm not gonna do that anymore. Woohoo! Freedom! Anyway, I'm not gonna take up too much of your time because this next episode is actually very interesting to me. I interviewed my friend. He is an improviser that we met in Chicago. So he's a Philam. He grew up there and he came to the Philippines for the first time during Spitz Manila Improv Festival. And he does improv comedy and spoken word. And he is an ambassador for Filipinos. And he actually taught in Second City. And the reason I wanted him on the show is because recently on social media, I've been seeing a lot of talks about the Philippine X movement. Philippine O, Philippine A, Philippine X. And a lot of arguments for and against it. And I found it interesting because he did talk to me before about um, the Philam identity. And growing up here... Whenever I'd see a Philam, I'd be like, "Nyeh, hindi ka naman pinoy, hindi ka naman marunong magtagalog." But after speaking to someone who did grow up there, it's very interesting to see his point of view on identity and how that affects comedy. So here he is. This is our guest for this episode, Mr. T.J. Medel. Hi, TJ. Hi, Ed. Hey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks so much for agreeing to be on the podcast today. Oh, thanks for having me. What has been making you laugh recently? I mean, haha, we all know what's going on in the world. So I want to know what's been making you laugh. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I won't lie. It's like, it's my students. Uh, my students uh, make me laugh because of the assignments that I give them for obvious reasons. Like I, I teach a creation and confinement class uh, for the okay. Arkansas Repertory Theater. And okay. um, some of the assignments, like uh, I think about what's going on in the world. And I'm like, yeah, that's real. What is... I, I, I think it's why. I mean, we're comedians. We do improv, right? So it's like we try right. to find the funny. And even in some of the worst situations. And... I, I had my students protest something that they loved. So you see these protests against cats and puppies and like jelly beans. And I'm like, that's that's so funny to me. 
um, <laughs> protests against. So it's a it's an exercise that you do. Yes, and you have them protest against something that, that they, they love. love. Yeah. Uh, it, oh, that's so cute. What it basically does is creates you know it gives a basis for satire. And gives them yeah. uh, the silliness of satire, and it makes them think outside of the box in an alternative way that I'm sure that they've never felt. Like, why would I ever, as a kid, why would I hate puppies? Why would I hate ice cream? Yeah. Why would I hate toys? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. That's absurd. I would never hate like playing Overwatch and like Fortnite. But yet, having them find things in that was not only uh enlightening but also really funny uh and also what was the funniest one you mentioned a few you mentioned cats and overwatch what was the funniest one that you heard from your students oh man i think the funniest one was i think it was the the jelly bean jelly bean yeah because she had not only <laughs> talked about how much she hated all the jelly beans but then, like, she made a sign of the jelly bean and went to a supermarket and held up the sign in front of the supermarket. Like, this is one of my students that I was like, oh, my God, I did not ask you to do that. Please, please don't go outside. It's a pandemic. But she was wearing her mask and gloves, which I was so proud of. And, <laughs> and, and again, you know what I mean? It's like, damn, on one hand, I'm like, man, I'm so proud of my student. But then as the comedian, I'm like, if I'm driving in a Kroger, and I see this little kid saying, yo, jelly beans are the bane of existence. Jelly beans are going to poison our minds. Jelly beans. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> where is that kid's parent? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I think that's something that I would see in New York. <laughs> like it's normal. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Another yeah. protester protesting jelly beans. <laughs> I mean, you, you got a naked cowboy. You got Elmo. Exactly. In winter, a in naked <laughs> cowboy in winter. It's like, dude, yeah, yeah. come on. What's it like teaching improv there? Oh, man. I I'll tell you, I've been out of the teaching game for a while. Um, mm. I I've only, in terms of teaching improv, I don't teach improv in Chicago because since the, since the last time we've spoken, I've moved. And right. I've been in Arkansas for two years, I think two and a half now. And uh, teaching art uh lately in arkansas obviously it's another culture shock because of like the lack of diversity in arkansas uh but it's it's been uh how undiverse is it i'm just curious because you're talking about the lack of diversity right that's not really a thing here right we don't really understand that concept so for the listeners mostly filipino listeners absolutely what does that mean when there's a lack of diversity in arkansas it's like uh, and mind you, I have a theater degree, not a math degree, but mm -hmm. it's like 47% white, 40, like 2% black. And then that 1% maybe that I'm missing <laughs> is oh everybody in between. Oh, so there are no Filipinos there. There are you Filipinos here. I'll tell you are. that right now. But the, those like we're, we're separated. Right. In terms of population, uh, we exist. Uh, we are one, maybe even two percent. But at the same time, it's like we're not really organized. We're not really in one area. There's no like dense. There, there's no part of Little Rock that is like Filipino. 
There's no part oh, of uh there's no Filipino town, you yeah, can't buy Filipino like food. No Chinatown, right, right, no Vietnamese. Right. Like there's there's shops just like you would find anywhere else, but in terms of like Asian presence, uh outside of your you know, outside of restaurants and uh salons, you don't really see much. The reason I also wanted to have you on the show is because Something is coming up now on Philippine social media about Philippine X. Yeah. So, Ooh. right. So, in I, I just wanted to ask your opinion on it. I, yes. Oh I, when I see it, it's true that the Filipino language is gender neutral. Yes. But at the same time, when I spoke to you, you talked about, and this was something that I could never understand growing up, you talked about the fact that you didn't feel like you had an identity. Yes. Because when you come to the Philippines and you speak with your accent, people are like, oh, you're not really Filipino. You're Phil Am. And then when you're in America, you know, you're not really American. You're Filipino. So it's yes. it was such an interesting thing for me to hear because I never saw it in that way at all. I was one of those people who thought, oh, Phil Ams, pff, they think they're Filipino. They're not. Right. But then I meet you and I'm like, oh my gosh. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That. So let's talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, in terms of identity, right? Uh, let's take uh, like improv. First of all, I love improv. I love comedy. Uh, it's a level playing field. And I still continue to practice comedy, even though like I haven't been performing. Uh, with that said, in terms of identity, um, First, I want to address like what that that like Philam and Filipino and so on and so forth. It's like to be living in a country that you feel like isn't your own, but being told it's your home is very mind boggling uh, to learn about a history that hides your people. And there is a good re there like the reason for hiding it is for racial reasons is very alarming and at the same time, for me as like a Filipino American, and mind you, just a little bit of context about who I am and what, what I've gone through, is the Filipino community is very foreign to me. What I mean by that is when I grew up, I was like around Filipinos all the time. Like I was growing up in Jersey City, so there was Filipinos everywhere. And then all of a sudden, like when I went to, when my parents decided to move me to the Burbs, and we went to like South Amboy, Sarahville, New Jersey, there were no Filipinos, maybe even a few and majority were black and white, like it was black and white and eight and like uh, Latinx and all these other ethnicities. And that's when I started to see like all the diversity. And then that's when I was introduced to like identity and like different forms of identity and the different ways that people identify others. Now we're going into like when I went into spoken word and going now we're going into art, right? Art kind of allowed me to s explore my identity at a young age. I was like a theater kid going into like spoken word and in spoken word, you write your own material, uh, kind of like an improv. You know what I mean? It's like you are your greatest resource. There is no script. So you have to bring right. your experiences to the table. And in doing so, what you do is you basically put up your identity for everybody to judge. You put up your identity in front of an entire audience of people that don't know who you are. And they're, the way they laugh, the things they react to is kind of a level of judgment. It's a, it's a type of level of uh, affirmation that you're funny or you're talented or you're this and you're that. And so now going into the evolution, how that ties into like the Philippine X or Filipina or Filipino 
the recent movement of identity in America has uh, declared that we are unique individuals, that mental health is just as important as physical health. And there are a lot of uh, factors that come into play that define your identity that haven't been taken into account before. Things like not just upbringing, but the class of upbringing, not just the class of upbringing, but the area of class of upbringing, as well as the demographic of the area of upbringing. It's like all of these things came into play. And then now you're talking about laws. And now we're talking about systems. And now we're talking about what I like to call elements of the game. It's kind of like when you're playing like a game with somebody, like sports outdoors. There's things you can control and things that you can't. And the things you can't control, you have to adapt. Kind of like improv, right? Yeah. So going back to identity, when you present pieces of your identity to individuals that are not familiar with your experience, there presents this risk of judgment. Mm -hmm. Of a disconnect. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And you're seeing that now. I, I, I mean, I can speak for myself in, in America, primarily in Arkansas, and more uh, nationally in terms of like my advocacies in uh, the Filipino the, or the Filipino Philam community here is like when I've started to have difficult conversations uh, with individuals about like either race or sexuality or religion or politics, you know, it's difficult, but it's necessary. And part of that is bringing your identity and vulnerability to the table. And when I, in order to like really try to give you the best answer that I could from my perspective of like the Philippine uh, O and X movement, uh, right. as we continue to fight for our liberties, as well as what we believe should be free, um, that what comes with that is our ability to express who we are and how we feel as individuals, period. And I think, and this is what I've learned from my students as well. Like, I don't. I'm very foreign to the that that the X O and A community like movement as well. It's still something that I'm educating myself on, and what I've learned from my students and the generation that's been advocate advocating for this uh, recognition of identity is this sense that I matter, like my feelings are valid. It's just wild because that like that ties into mental health. That ties in, like everything is so connected in such a symbiotic way, in an organic way. It's again, it kind of goes back to improv. Until right. you start discovering the rules of the game, you can't really explore the limitations and find out what you can break. So in that light, it's kind of like the improv player is finding out the rules of the game as they continue through learning about the art form. And then they're understanding that there were certain things that were put in place to prevent them from feeling that their experience is valid. So in order to combat that, in order to feel like my experience is valid, I'm going to claim myself and name myself as a Philippine O or a Philippine A or a Philippine X. This is also something that Phil Ams or, or Filipinos abroad can connect to as opposed to us. I think that's why there's a disconnect with what's happening here because people here feel like, you know, our, our words are gender neutral already. This is something that you guys are doing, which it's true. Right. And there's nothing really wrong with that. So uh, it was just interesting to hear it put in that perspective also. 
again, in my education of the Philippine OA X movement and like what that looks uh, looks like and what that entails, like I didn't even think about the Shah, right? And the yeah, there is already a gender neutral, right? And right. like I still feel like that's a blind spot for me because of the fact that like that's that's the same thing that I was thinking it was like there's already a gender neutral, so why should there be an OXA and it it just comes back to something <laughs> something that a friend of mine called me in on was okay. like it's not about me. Right. It's about like it's you know what I mean? And it's it's tough right, to right. hear that. It's kinda like being held accountable. It's like it feels like an attack at first because you're not because it's like it it could be taken misunderstood, but in reality, it's necessary because of like the you start talking about the gaps. And that's something that I've noticed in like my gaps and my pitfalls. It's like there's I have to ask the difficult questions openly and out loud in order for me to understand. And right. I'm still trying to figure out what's the best way to find those can both be true. Right. right and I, right, right. And I, I, I don't know the answer to that. But what I do feel like is like I think both can be true. Like Philippine yeah. OAX can exist as well as Sha. Like why not? Right. I, I agree because I also think it's not really harming anyone. So so what? Like let if people wanna do it, then let them do it. Hell I yeah, I yeah. don't see anything wrong with it. <laughs> right? It's not yo, hurting live, anybody. Man, we always say YOLO all the time. Yo, YOLO then. YOLO in that way. YOLO for your identity, not just for partying, fam. I think people are starting to understand, especially now during uh, the pandemic, because you're being stuck with yourself, that you know what? Just let people do what they want to do because, right? You're discovering yourself and you're like, I want to do this. I want to do this. So I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore if I do it for other people because I'm not seeing anyone else. So I'm stuck with myself. I was talking about how the experiences are different for Filipinos here and Filipinos abroad. And since we are a comedy podcast, I want to know the scope of what you know about um, Filipino comedy. Or if you don't know a lot of that, uh, a lot about that, Phil Am comedy. Okay. So... Yeah. Filipino comedy and Philam comedy are so foreign to me. I'll tell you oh, that. Both. Yes, both. Uh, I definitely, but that does not mean that I rec- I don't know who, like, I know who Dolphy is. I know who, right. I know who, <laughs> like, Rex Neveretti is. I know Joe Koi. You know what I mean? Right. And right. only in name. I think the reason why I feel like I never. Uh, and again, this goes back to identity, right? And going right. back to where I live and how I grew up, you know, there was just no no desire to try to find the, that Filipino artist because of the fact that America always put white on a pedestal. Hmm. And like, there's a specific thing that I always saw on television, in movies, in comedy, in, you know, there's a specific color. There's a specific people that I'm seeing. And so in my mind, and again, I'm I'm growing up. I'm trying to find identity. There's other parts about me that I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to find my comedic voice. And it's like, but I'm Filipino and American. Like, yeah. how do I bring my Filipino experience to an entire audience that does not look like me? 
And do I have enough courage to present that? When I look at some of the Philippine artists, and I want to be honest, I don't know a lot of the Philippine, like the native Filipino comedy community, uh, mm-hmm. except for Spit. <laughs> Yay! Right? So that's, that's why I like, man, I love y'all. You know what I mean? It's like, I learn from y'all. I think that's the point I'm trying to make is that I'm trying to be that Filipino artist that the Filipino community can look to. I like I because I and I maybe this is an ignorance is bliss type thing or maybe it's my 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 lack and that may be a, a blind spot on me. My lack of uh, knowledge of like artists in that field for the Filipino community, for a community that I identify with as well as mm-hmm. the Philam community. but. I was too busy trying to fucking make it. I, I'm, I'm sorry, make it. <laughs> I was too busy trying to make it, yo. I was too busy yeah. trying to represent. Like, I thought that I was the Filipino artist that right, was writing right. history books. And in all honesty, I, I am. Like, the Second City faculty, I was the first Filipino on that. Second City, biz, like, uh, BizCo, I was the first Filipino faculty for them. Uh, I was in line to be faculty member for I.O., first Filipino there. First Filip- There were, like, so many firsts for Filipinos, and I wanted to make sure, like, I wanted to represent us. And part of making sure that the representation was not only done, but done well, I wanted to make sure that my connection to spit was strong so that if there were any future programs for any of these institutions that were to go on an international level, that I wanted to make sure that Filipinos were represented. Um, I, I worked very hard in order to get into a position where our voices could be heard as well as some of the concerns, you know, uh, that was a huge right. reason why, you know, I went to the Philippines that first year that I did, you know, I wanted to take everything that I learned from y'all and make sure that the, the improv communities primarily in Chicago, the cornerstone of American comedy and that, and to say like, Filipino comedy is worth looking at. Filipino comedy is worth listening to. And the Filipino experience is funny because Filipinos are everywhere. Yes, everywhere. Not just in hospitals, guys. Not just there. Yes. Did you know? (laughs) I mean, especially on the cruise ships that that Second City performs on. All like, we're there. All Filipinos. Everywhere. I thought shouldn't we also have representation on the stage? You know, right. what if our experience, what if the things that we talk about, what if the, I mean, to, it's wild to say to y'all that I heard the Tagalog spoken at IO. I wore a barong on an <laughs> IO stage. I, you know what I'm saying? Like right, to, right. to say I can officially did say that I did that means so much to me as a Filipino. And I yeah. hope that a Filipino person knows that story so that they know that that actually is possible. You can wear mm-hmm. your Filipiniana and still do improv like in Chicago. That's not like that's not a wild concept. Yeah. So that people can be like, oh, there's a Filipino show going on. Right. And then it's normal. It's a normal thing. Right. Like, how do we get uh, audiences that don't look like, uh, again, uh, uh, being Filipino, uh, a Filipino uh, in America, a Filipino American in America, trying yeah. to fight for my identity, like everything's tied to it. It's like, right. Like the theaters and, and the identity and the experience and like, like going back to your original question, it's like, how do I feel about a Filipino American artists or Filipino artists, primarily comedians? It's like, well, 
I, I know about them, but I don't know too much about them because I was taught and I understood that in the industry, in the country that I'm in, that it was a specific group that I had to go ahead and model after. And then throughout that experience, try to fight for which parts of my identity can I bring into my art form, into my storytelling, into my comedy. And like that test of doing that, like I was definitely trying to find Filipino artists that have broken the bounds, right? Like I look at, I look at uh, Rufio, like Dante Bosco, right. and I'm just like, what is that path? How did that happen? And yeah. Right now, I can on I can honestly tell you right now, there are a lot of Filipino comedians right now. There are so many that are flying under the radar. <laughs> Actually, what's interesting is because because you you were looking at the path of Dante Basco, right? What I see is I don't know if you've heard of Nico Santos mm-hmm. from Superstore. Okay, yeah, his path was he grew up here and then went there. And then formed a career there, which I find interesting because what he knows, what he grew up with, he's bringing onto the screen. So when I saw that episode of Superstore, yes. where he was speaking fluent Tagalog oh and the God. white guy yes. spoke fluent Tagalog, yes. I was just like, ah, this is amazing. Yes. I played it over and over and over again. I... I said so much to my my friends. I want to look at that episode and I want to look at the ratings. I want to look at the viewership of that episode in particular because because the Philippines Ooh, and yes. internet we are number 1. So yeah, that was that clip was shared so many times in my feed. Right? I I just wanted to like echo that and just like uplift that. The moment that we see our culture like displayed as a normal form of like existence is the moment that I could feel free about my identity being on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just finding Filipino artists, especially with technology now, is making it thankfully a lot easier. Uh, and at the same time, it's like, man, there's like, uh, what is it? Mikey Busos, right? Yeah, Mikey Bustos, yeah. yeah From do, Canada. Right? It's right. Like there, there are Filipino Canadians, the Phil Cans, yo. The, we don't even, right. and they're doing amazing. The, there's a group up there called Tita, Tita Jokes with uh, Alia. Oh my God, they're so funny. And then. This is in Canada? This is in Canada. I was like, oh. I met them while, when I went to a Toronto Improv Fest and. Like they're like they're everybody's Filipino in there. They're really connected the community. Like I felt from my visit, I felt like th- I was like, wow, there are you know there Filipinos are funny everywhere. <laughs> like it's not just Filipino American so or Filipino. Nice to hear, right? Like we're <laughs> funny everywhere, yo. Like let let's not get that twisted. There's probably a really dope ass comedian on like in like working as a nurse right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Very true. Very true. I do have, I I have a statement that I would like to run by. Please. And I want to know your thoughts. Yeah. Because we're talking about this. Yes. And I spoke to a few stand-up comedians here. Okay. And there is actually a little bit of tension. Well, not tension, but a little bit of negative feelings Mm -hmm. towards Phil Am comedians who make it and then come here. So the statement is because... It's so hard for stand-up comedians here mm-hmm. to get 
traction and to get fans. Yes. But the moment you make it in the States and you come here, suddenly everyone is your fan. So that that's a gripe that some of the stand-up comedians have here because they're like, I'm working my ass off. I'm bringing Filipino jokes to people who live here. Why is it that I have to be famous in the U.S. before getting that kind of treatment here in my own country? Right. So what do you think about that? I... I... <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, Aaron? What you doing? What, I, why are you I, doing that? I want to hear your why thoughts. You I heard that? it from someone who's here. But I'm someone nobody. Someone who's there. But I still want to know. <laughs> like, what do you think about that? Um... I think it's a strong statement. I think it's a wonderful statement. Uh, I don't mm. wanna. I don't want to. I don't want to. I think it is an honest statement. That's why it's wonderful, right? Right. And there's validity in uh, in the statement being made, and there's validity on both ends of the pros and cons of of the feelings around the the statement. When I hear that, I think it's valid, right? I think it's very valid mm-hmm. to think that. I think it, it is. I think I I hear conversations like that uh, also in certain other cities around America mm-hmm. when talking about L.A. or when talking about New York or going to Chicago. It's like what I'm I do so much local things for my community here. in, let's say, for example, Little Rock. Right. Like I, I put up a local open mic. I put up, you know, the local scene, you know, I try to help out the entire org and everything. But then, you know, there's a local, there's another local person who was here who was really dope, but then he left and then he came to LA and then comes back and he makes it in LA and then he comes back and he's like the dopest thing in the world. Why is that? Like, that's, that's kind of what I'm hearing Mm. uh, in terms of like the energy and it's valid. Right. Like, why, why is it that the community that I love shows love to somebody else, but they left home? Like, there's this pride in being home. There's a pride. Mm. There's, and there's nothing wrong with being proud of being where you're from. There's nothing wrong with being proud of the scene that you've created, as well as the community that you cultivate because of the fact that, you know what? You, you, you put time and effort into creating that scene. Trying to create a scene like a comedy scene in general or like an art scene in general is hard. You know, yeah. there, there are so many factors that come into play that nobody can anticipate. Uh, and at the same time, it's like it's tough when you're trying to run a scene because it's kind of like, man, do people see what I'm doing? Like, what is the what is the definition of the word scene? Are you trying to com- create a community or are you trying to create spotlights for people to come into? Like there's so many different avenues and definitions of that. It just depends on the person's perspective of who's saying the statement. There, like right. that's why I said there's so many, there's so many forms of validity around that statement on both ends of the floor. I can definitely say it's like, well, for Phil Ams, I feel like uh, I want to come back to the Philippines and bring all this comedy because this is what I feel like is the next step in my career is to go ahead and share this story and my experience and so on and so forth. I don't know if the byproduct of that at that experience with all this fame is already known to the artist that decides to do such things, but like it's it's tough because you never know the intention of the artist. My intent or my manifesto as an artist is always to learn, is always to uh try to 
ask questions and to listen and be an open resource. I also want to say it's like it, it goes back to intent. What is the intent? And it, it kind of like goes into like what you said about case by case or people by people basis. Like at, what is your intent? What is your mission? And what is your vision for what you're trying to achieve when you do decide if a Philam decides to go back? Why do Filipinos, native Filipinos, like leave the Philippines to go to America and then come back? That's another question is like, right. why does that happen though? Wait, what have you been watching on Netflix, like on your comedy watch? Comedy watch? I'm curious. Oh, man. Real talk? Avatar, yo. The last airbender. That's not comedy. Is it comedy? Arguable. Very arguable. Sokka and Aang are very funny. It is Nickelodeon, right? Uh, True, true. I get to define what it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my identity allows me to define comedy in the way that I feel is most comfortable for me. And that is true. So Avatar is on your comedy watch list. See, I haven't seen Avatar. The reason I love Avatar The Last Airbender, because it's a cartoon. Uh, it was made for teenagers, young adults. It addresses a lot of like the difficult things in life, but in a very like cartoon way. And mm. like the comedy, it gets real. Oh man, it gets so real. Like it's ah. about sacrifice and anger, and you know, equality and rights. Like in, in very creative ways. I know it's like it's 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 a cartoon, right? Right. But right. if you can hide hide it, like again, going back to comedy, is like the truth in comedy. Some of my favorite comedians uh, who are controversial are like John Stewart, um, uh, Dave Chappelle. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> Chappelle, Chappelle, yeah. among all my guests, yes. is always number one. <laughs> Chappelle. It's always Chappelle. There's a, there's a level of honesty in the comedy that is presented that you can't ignore. Yeah. Right? His latest special wasn't even funny, and he straight up said, this ain't funny. <laughs> but it was his... Yeah. Okay, that was a motor that just passed by. I love it. It's like you and I are sitting outside, right, on the street, Uh, just hanging out. Just chilling. If you can imagine. Well, we can't do that anymore, but I mean, we're wearing masks and gloves, and like, I'm wearing goggles. Or if you're at home, Aaron and I are hanging out on the side of the street wearing T-Rex costumes. (laughs) To make sure that we don't breathe on each other. Just making sure. Yeah, yo, those T Rex costumes are like a hundred dollars, and I was totally about to get one, so that every time I left my house, I would wear one. It's better than a PPE. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I'm fully covered, <laughs> head to toe. Exactly, and really thick too. Even if someone tries to poke you, nothing's gonna happen. Oh man, I feel so protected. You know, there's already six feet inside of that, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's too hot to wear those here. Yeah. Oh, no, that's fair. That's so fair. Yeah, I, rem- yeah, I remember. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, I think we're good. We have we have a lot to work with here. Thank you. Yeah, I hope. Uh, it I- has been awesome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tawalets. I hope you've been enlightened with the Phil Am experience. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more info on the shows and the network, visit www.podcastnetwork.asia.
and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Track your podcast stats across multiple platforms to have a full view of your audience and clout. Sign up and create your free account at podmetrics.co and use my referral code, TAWALETS, all caps, TAWALETS, no apostrophe, just big letters, TAWALETS.